Yo, yo, free your mind. Free your mind. Yo, 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 yo. What's going on, people? Welcome back, as always, to Free Your Mind. This is your boy, T. Free. Thanks for listening. Uh, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Google Podcasts, all that good stuff. Follow the show on Twitter at Free Your Mind Pod. That is Free Your Mind Pod. Uh, feel free to call or text the show, 262-806-FREE, 262-806-3733. Uh, it's been a few weeks, um, so yeah, welcome. Um, pretty much it seems like every podcast at this point, it's been like a, we start off by like just saying how dumb Trump is, so this is like volume 92 or something of that nature. Um, breaking news as we record this, it's Thursday, um, so as of now, he's uh, preparing, or obviously we have the government shut down, um, he gave a deadline of the 15th, which is tomorrow, or probably today as you listen to this, um, that he was going to shut down the government if he didn't have the bill passed. Uh, they've been working on a bill, um, have a bill, which gives him some funding. Not all the fun- not all the funding that he wanted. I believe he wanted like $5.8 billion. Um, I think they came to something like $1.37 billion. I don't have the numbers in front of me right now. Uh, so that's essentially what they're preparing the bill to be. And they're preparing to sign that and then pass it on to the president in which he's going to sign it and then declare a national emergency. And pretty much how the national emergency kind of works, essentially, if you declare that, then you have power to use funds for certain things. So obviously this is normally used for, you know, national disasters, you know, which are large, you know, you know, um, you know, metro area or something, you know, hurt or things of that nature or, you know, knock on wood, war, things of that nature, actual emergency not building your fucking wall. So, um, a lot of consequences that come with this because essentially it can obviously use a ton of funds, um, allocate funds or take funds that are allocated elsewhere, but also just it can just mess up taxes. Now, I'm not saying like your regular tax returns, but just overall taxes down the line for people just because of the simple fact that you're just going to take what money and just shift the budget. So, you know, willy-nilly for this. And, um, I've never, I mean, I wouldn't say I've never, it's, I've never seen a man fight so hard to be just dumb and wrong. Like, obviously he needs to get this wall done because this is his main promise that he ran on. You know, he's two years in as the kind of preparation starts for his next campaign. Um, if he's going to run, which I'm assuming he would. Um, he got to have some progress to show on this wall and things of that nature. So this is kind of what he's looking to do. But the steps that he's looking to do this in is this. <sighs> I, I can't even describe it. He's just such a dumb fuck. And um, yeah, and then you have like uh, Mitch McConnell. Shout out to that dumb fuck who um, is the Senate majority, um, the Senate majority leader who helped lean this bill. And he said he's going to support president trump in regards of him declaring that national emergency even though he knows the repercussions that comes with him declaring a national emergency and that's more of the issue i have with anything trump related because trump is a dumbass but he kind of don't know any better he kind of up there just doing whatever the fuck he want to do because he just doesn't know but you have all the people in the you know in their you know respective offices in their um you know in their positions who are just 
bowing down to him just so they don't get ran over by him. And at a certain point, there's, there has to be principles involved, right? There has to be like, hey, this shit isn't right. I'm going to stand up against this. Um, especially someone like McConnell, because last time I checked, you you don't govern, or you don't govern at all, but you're not representing a border state. Like, that's the thing here, right? Like, you're not, like, this isn't going to um, directly affect you. If I remember correctly, I want to say he's Kentucky, if I remember correctly. Last time I checked, Kentucky's a little far away from that damn border. So this isn't directly affecting you. It's not affecting your constituents. So there's not a need for you just to ride so fucking hard to do whatever this man wants you to do. Other than you just suck his dick. And that's cool if you want to do that. But I'd rather you not do that at the expense of the American public. I'd rather you just do it on your own time. But uh, apparently that's too much to ask for a lot of our politicians. So we had that. So, um... Hopefully something changes between now and by the time you hear this, I doubt that in regards to at least that bill because they've been working on it and the compromise and everything they kind of had to come to to prevent another um, uh, government shutdown. But Trump is going to do this national emergency. It's just every day he finds another way to fuck this up. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't even know if we're going to be here by 2020 to be perfectly honest with you at this rate. But, um, yes, we got that. That was just breaking news. Also in the breaking news category, um, uh, R. Kelly. So, uh, well, all those people who are, you know, who are um, the I can separate R. Kelly music from the crimes. And, you know, I'm still going to listen to R. Kelly. Uh, I want all those people to come to the front, come real close, get real close to your speakers, get a nice close ear right to the speakers. I want you to see, I want to see where the fuck you are now. Because if you haven't heard, obviously we all know about his past with all the sex tapes and things of that nature um and then we had the recent um had the recent um uh was i was about to say um becoming our Kelly. not what the fuck was the document the lifetime documentary i can't remember the name of it right now um surviving our Kelly. there we go um so we had all that you know it it gave us a lot of information that we always that we already knew but a lot of those small details that a lot of people just didn't know or many of us didn't know um Hey, people, you still have people out here riding to die for him. You still have him out here singing, talking about he wanted to get people with Africa passports and bring them over to America. You still have people just, I wouldn't, just, they, so many straw man arguments. Oh, y'all gonna do this, but y'all not gonna do this. Y'all gonna mute our, Taraji P. Henson, dumbass. We're gonna, y'all gonna mute R. Kelly, but not Weinstein. Like, yeah, I guess you can say that, except for, for the most part, we now know of Harvey Weinstein because he got outed for his crimes and he's facing jail time. Like, I can kind of see where your dumbass point's going, but you kind of neglect the obvious point, which is don't necessarily need to mute him if the reason why we know who the fuck he is is because he's got it, he got exposed for his behavior. Granted, you might know who he is, you might see a Weinstein before the movies and whatnot, but we didn't fucking know Harvey Weinstein's a celebrity, he was just a random guy in the background. We fucking know R. Kelly. Hence the mute part that comes into play here. But all those people come real close. Come, I want you to come real close. Because you guys are fighting so hard. Um, so news came out about an hour ago. A couple hours ago. Um, 
attorney turned over a videotape to uh, some prosecutors in Illinois about a new sex tape or newer sex tape within the statutes of limitations. So newer than, of course, the one from early 2000s of him having sex with an underage girl. Now, we obviously know that was the thing for R. Kelly. We obviously know that's the trail and you had a billion different yeah people doing a billion different excuses but essentially you know that was the, the idea of the tape the tape was this there was underage women in the tape you didn't know if it was you know why they were there mother parents people had a billion excuses nonetheless at the end of the day they were fucking there that's all they need to matter but apparently for some of you people that shit doesn't matter Everybody don't have common sense, but this new tape, <laughs> and then, and that's the thing. And as you watch, if you again, if you've seen the Survivor R. Kelly, that's the thing that's the most astounding about everything that he's done. It, he, he just thinks he's this Teflon Don. Like he just keeps doing shit similar, keeps doing crazy shit, and think he's not gonna get caught. And if he did another tape after all the shit that he got away with and got off from the tape. It just, I don't, it's, I don't even know what to say. It's just so dumb, and so dumb ain't even a word. Obviously, it's despicable and it's gross and all that shit. But the fact that you think that you, after all the shit you got away with, you can just do it again, is crazy. But apparently, that's what they're thinking about. Because there's this tape of him and some crazy things he's saying in the tape, in which he pretty much says he knows he knows he's underage. And the tape, again, according to the uh, attorney, uh, I think it was like Michael Averetti, if I remember correctly, if I pronounced his name right. He says it's within the statute of limitations of Illinois. So, again, it's a newer tape, um, which means that he had to do it after <laughs> the trial in which he got off of, which would be the most R. Kelly thing possible. But, um, yeah, I want you to come real close because, again, you know, this is a one-time thing and why the parents have them over there and I can still listen to the music and all that stuff. I want you to come real close and I want you to ask yourself, how the fuck can you still do that? Because again, it comes a time when you have to dis separate things. I've talked about this before on the podcast where for me, it hit me years ago when I one of my favorite remixes of all time, probably the favorite, was Bumping Ryan Old School Remix. And in the song, he says, before I get in deep, show me some ID. And it's like, yo, what the fuck? You can't continue to listen to that knowing his history. You have people, oh, he wasn't thinking about that when when he was making the songs, even though he had fucking beds and shit in the studios, and then he watched a documentary, and she's saying what the hell, he would take breaks from recording shit to do all these different things. I want you people to come real close, and I want you to, <laughs> I want you to look yourself in the mirror and try to justify this shit now because if this shit is true and this shit goes to trial and I'm, I'm assuming if he, the attorney has enough information to go to, prosec- uh, go to prosecutors they're going to press charges whether or not they convict him at this point ain't no one knows because R. Kelly just been an artful dodger when it comes to this shit but you know so what's the saying is fool me once same with you fool me twice same with me Y'all been fooled 8 billion times, so some of y'all still still riding to get fooled, and I don't understand it. But, yeah, I want you guys to come out. Let me know what you think. And not the people who already know about R. Kelly being a dirtbag, because we all on the same page. But those people who said they can separate the music, people who said they still was going to listen to him, they were defiant, um, it was a girl fault, it was a parent's fault. It was pro- I want you people to come real close and let me know, what, y'all, like, what do y'all think? Like, what's going on? How, how are y'all going to dodge this now?
I don't know. I'm sure y'all will find a way to do it though. Uh, shout out to Twenty One Savage, out of or out of um, Ice. Um, obviously, I, I don't think we've done a podcast since that happened. Um, got picked up by Ice. A whole crazy story about how that happened. In regards to they're looking to get somebody else, and they got him, and they tried to put a gun on him. Uh, in regards to saying the gun was his, and it was a whole caravan of cars. So it was like, how can you attach a gun to him? All those different things. Um, shout out to Jay, Jay being Jay. Uh, you know, got him a lawyer because obviously Twenty One had a lawyer, but it's a whole different class of lawyers when you got to you know do immigration and things of that nature. So Jay got him a um, one, excuse me, one of the best immigration lawyers out there, firms, and they teamed up with his lawyers and they got the initial case thrown out, quote unquote, thrown out, which means it wasn't shit there, but um, with the gun and everything. So now they're just, I think he's just fighting. He's free. He's free on bond. Um, they're just fighting the pending. Or the essentially they're fighting the his visa was expired. He doesn't need to get deported. In which if the reports are true before that he already had a visa application done, it's just been pending for the longest. Then essentially he's going to be off if that's true. Because I don't see how that <laughs> will be neglected in regards to being a deported. But he's out on bond. Uh, so shout out to twenty one uh, being free. Um, and shout out to Jay doing what Jay does. So many people were surprised. I, we're not even going to turn this into a J conversation. Just shout out to 21 Savage. Um, speaking of jail, um, shout out to... Um, <laughs> just every, so, I you know you be on social media and you see like people talk about shows and you just don't really watch the show so you don't know what's going on. But I would see people talk about this Love After Lockup show. And I just didn't know what the hell was going on. But I just think so many people talking about it that one Saturday night, I just got intrigued. I was like, all right, I got to watch and see what the fuck people talking about. So if you don't, it's just it's love after lockup. It come on we. I'm sure you can find it on like Hulu and on demand and all that shit. When I tell you this is the most coonerific show I've ever fucking seen in my life. Essentially, the premise is um, people fall in love with inmates who are getting getting ready to come out of jail, and they're like super in love, like ready to get married. Or at least I think so. Ready to get married and have kids and all this shit. And it's going through all the trials and tribulations and all this shit. And it's the most coonerific thing I've ever seen. Excuse me. Um, you got one. And I just finished season one. They're in season two now. I think they're getting ready to wrap up season two in a couple weeks. But I finished season one. I, I just finished the first season, first episode of season two. Uh, <laughs> this First off, I didn't know there was like a jail tender or like a jail like Craigslist or whatever. Like a match.com. But apparently, there's a few of them out there. There's like, like there's one's like meet an inmate. There's a, pretty much how it works is you can find a website, you can write letters to people in jail and try to hook up with them. And people do this a lot apparently because it was it was somewhat common on the show. It wasn't like a weird thing. So, you know, I was like, shit, they got an app called Jailbait because you know you're in jail and in bait. You know, there's that, but. Yeah, people were writing random letters, <laughs> writing random letters to random inmates because they like their picture, in which there's a lot of things that, like, you got people taking, like, nudes and shit in jail, and I'm like, all right, man, you in jail and shit, how you getting these, how are you taking nudes in jail, like, <laughs> like, how is this possible, like, y'all supposed to be using the internet to, like, learn and get degrees and shit, not to get your rocks off, like, all right, and they, um, oh, so you got one, uh, <laughs> What was the oh man? It's, I can't even pick a crazy. So you had what was it? Garrett and Jana. 
Gear was in jail for like six years on like grand theft. They was engaged to the girl. This girl was nuts, by the way. Both the girl was nuts. She she as soon as he got out of jail, she was expecting the ring. All this different shit. She got mad. He wasn't expecting the ring. Um, red flag was right away. They went out one or they went out individually one night with their group of friends, her friends, his friends. Um, girls night, guys night, all that different stuff. She got home like ten thirty. She freaking out, texting him eight billion different times. She tracking the iPhone because you know you can do that. He didn't know that because he been in jail six years, so he don't really know how none of this should work. Um, so she on the couch mad. Tell me, he told me I was never gonna spend a night alone. And he's out, he's doing this, and she's so angry. And I'm gonna fall asleep alone. And then he come under the door, and, you know, and they had like a little, little time lapse when people were waiting, right? So it make you think like he like he walking in the door at, like four o'clock in the morning. This motherfucker walked in at 11.05. Now, remember, she got home at 10.30. <laughs> so, she doing all this shit, and he was just 30 minutes behind her. That would have been a red flag, number one. Um, spoiler if you still watch the show, because there's just a lot of fucking crazy shit that's going on. But, um, he going by a car, uh, which I don't... Another thing, which is, I don't know how the fuck this happened. He bought a car with a car note, financed it. Granted, remember this. He was in jail. For, he's 24. He's been in jail since he's essentially 18. He went to jail for like a whole bunch of fraud and grand theft. So how the fuck you got credit in your car note? Like I feel like, like you can't really repair your credit in jail because you have no income. Like how the fuck does this happen? But he got a car. And I don't mean like no random, no like random escort. He got like a, a Altima or something. $13,000 note, he was saying. Got a car, financed it. You know, made somewhat sense. He needed a car to get around, get to work, all those different things. She wanted a ring right away. She was mad about that. It was in her chest. Um, her birthday was coming up. She wanted the birthday to be special. She was all irritated. So he bought her a ring. He proposed. Craziness. But then as soon as she proposed, she's, now she's questioning if they should get married. Like, you can't sweat this man since he got out of jail. And now you get the ring. And then all of a sudden, you get all these questions. Like, them questions should have been there from the beginning. Nuts. Um... The act, the crazier one. All right, so you know, I guess you no, know, there's opposite attracts and things of that nature, right? So you had this one, uh, what was her name? Can't remember her name. Black lady, Mormon black lady, lives in Utah, divorced three kids, part of the Mormon church. If you know anything about Mormons, they run a you know uh, uptight ship. She falls in love with a crip from L.A. who's been in jail for 18 years for robbery with a deadly weapon. How the hell you decide that you divorce your three kids, Mormon, and you want to fall in love with a crip from L.A.? God only knows. And I'm, I don't think God knew, knows either because it's just crazy enough. But they, you know, they engaged and... They're going to move together and all these different things. And there's one common theme that I realized watching the show. How the fuck are you together with an inmate, engaged to an inmate, want to get married to an inmate, and you don't know how to fuck parole works? Like, that was a common theme. Like, everyone thought, like, they was gonna, they, lovers going to get out of jail and everything's going to be tip-top shape. Like, no, motherfucker. You got to follow parole rules. I, I don't... It was a common thing. It is the weirdest shit I've ever experienced. Like, none of them knew how parole works. So I bring that up because... She is a nine-hour drive from where she lives somewhere in Utah to L.A. She drives, she, first off, buys him a car, 
because she can't get a car, buys him a car, which, again, I'm, <laughs> you've never seen this person outside the jail walls. And you buy him a car, but nonetheless, you buy him a car. If you got it, you got it. She wants to bring this person. She got this person being daddy to her three kids already. Um, again, they ain't never met this. She want her kids to just fall in love with this guy and be super cool. And the two older kids are like, this nigga in jail for them assault with a deadly weapon. Why the fuck would we be cool with him coming to live with us without us knowing him? And the mom looking at them like, hey, that's just the weirdest shit in the world. Like, why won't, why won't you accept them in our house without knowing him? So she go pick them up, pick him up from the jail when he get released. Uh, obviously, he out of jail. First thing he, on his mind is the box. <laughs> the box, the box, the vagina, the sex. She's Mormon. So she's saving herself for marriage again, because again she's divorced. I, I, again, I don't know. So she can't have sex, but she been lying to him, writing all these crazy like f- sexy letters and phone sex and all that about what she can do and what he going what she gonna do to him and all this stuff. And now they're in her car wash, and he trying to get jiggy with it, and she's surprised, and she trying to figure out how she gonna finesse the situation. Ain't really too many ways you can't finesse that situation, man. <laughs> Ain't really too either. You gonna tell him the truth. Or you're going you're gonna to have to lie to your church. One of those two things is going to happen. So they get to the hotel. He's ready to get business. You know, they got the microphones on and shit. Uh, no, <laughs> even before that, they in the car wash. So she, like, smart enough, quote unquote, to be like, all right, cover the camera while you kiss my neck and rub on me, right? So cover the camera on the dashboard. Her dumbass forget there's a camera in the car in front of them. So it just shows right through the damn windshield and shows everything they do. So trying to be smart. Not smart enough. They go to the hotel room. He's ready to get the action. She, you know, they had like the little confessional period when they talking to the camera, telling, you know, the camera what's going on. She's like, I'm going to please him in any in other ways, but, he, you know, I'm not going to get kicked out of the church for him, so we're not going to have sex. Again, ma'am, who do you think you're fooling? Who do you think you're fooling? Like, so you're going to do every other thing in the book, but not the same. Like, what sense does that make? I'm pretty sure. And again, I'm not Mormon. <laughs> I know they got some real strict laws out there. Like, you can't even drink caffeine and shit. I know at BYU and they honor code, in which I would never make it at BYU, let alone the sex and all that shit. But you can't even drink caffeine. They count me out. But I'm pretty sure if you can't have sex <laughs> with someone you're not married to or someone who's not part of the church, you can't give them head. You can't give them a hand job. Um, you can't suck on your boobs. Like, I'm pretty sure if the sex part is outlawed, so is everything else leading up to the sex. Like, I'm pretty sure that's how it, that's like a vegetarian, like, oh, I'm a vegetarian, so I'm not going to eat the main dinner, which is the steak, but I'll eat, like, the bacon appetizers. Like, no, if you're, if you're a vegetarian, you're a vegetarian all the way. <laughs> that's typically how that works. So you can't say I'm saving myself for marriage because of the Lord in the book. And Mormon and all that shit, but then you're doing everything else leading into it. It, it was just weird. But, and I spent a lot of time, I wouldn't even spend, spend this much time on it, but it's just crazy. Uh, they have a dinner. He has a daughter. She's old enough. I think she's like 17, 18, 19, 16, somewhere in that ballpark. Well, he's been in jail for 18 years, so she's like 18, 19, somewhere in that ballpark. Old enough that she knows everything that's going on, ain't seen him in a while, but young enough that the mom still is like around her. Watching her live with her type of thing. So, have a go out of jail or get out of jail party. You know, every, his family there, she's there. 
he gets on the phone, finds out his daughter's gonna come. He wanted daughter. He he wanted his daughter there. She says she was coming. He was excited. Um, the chick was ear hustling over her. The daughter said, "Yeah, we'll be on the way." We being him or her, excuse me, and her mother. Now the lady started freaking out. He told me I wouldn't have to deal with no exes and no baby mama drama and all this shit. And she come up with an excuse saying she had to go send her kids some money and leave and then get quote unquote lost in a whole nother city. Now, man, remember this. What's the, um, those in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Ma'am, you got three kids and you are divorced. Who the fuck are you to judge a man who has a baby mama with one kid? Y'all in the same boat. You want him to be a kid or a father to your kids. Got your youngest daughter calling him this daddy and papa, whatever the fuck the name was. But you don't want him to be a father to his own daughter? And the baby mama like, or the baby mama comes, she's like, I don't understand what kind of mother would do that. Because her being a mother, she should know. Like, if I'm going to send my daughter up there to live with you or visit you, like, we got to meet. Sounds perfectly logical to me. But apparently she was super jealous and she freaked out all this different shit. They end up getting married and then he ended up getting going back to jail and parole. Or not even, not even that. She thought he was going to get out of jail, go straight to them Utah. He tell her that, shit, you know, I can't go to Utah because I'm on parole. She freaking out. He convinced her to move the kids and everybody to California. And again, more red flags, but, you know, this whole situation is red flags. And they get end up getting married. She turned into a bridezilla over some shoes, which if I'm a dude, I would have got the fuck out of here by then. Um, she, <laughs> this bitch out here trying to bribe her daughter. So her daughter not with the shit at all. She's not fucking with this dude. It's like, this shit is crazy. I don't want to go. Like, this is nuts. You don't see it's nuts. You my mom. I'm 12. You should be able to see the same way that me and my brother see this shit is nuts. This shit is crazy. This man is in jail. He just got in jail. You're trying to make him our father. You're trying to make us move here. You're trying to marry this man. You don't know him. We don't know him. She's trying, her daughter not getting out the car. So she go over. And the guy, I, I will give him credit. Uh, I can't, I won't say his name, Stanley, but it ain't his damn name. Lamar, there we go, Lamar. I will give him credit. Because he knows the situation's weird. He knows the situation's awkward. He still feels a way. But he also was just, he, he gave room for her, for the daughter to be like, all right, I know this is weird. I know it ain't smooth. It'll get there. Same thing with the son. Um, like, he wasn't, he wasn't freaking out. But he could have been real. He could have felt the way. And you, I'm sure he did. But he didn't express that. Because I'm sure he understands why the fuck is weird for the kid. But the mom don't understand none of this. She out here trying to bribe the fucking dog. She go over to the car. The girl stuck in the car. She standing in the car. She sneak over and whispering, I will give you $20 to get out the car. Like, ma'am, you trying to bribe your own daughter to meet this stranger? And even doing that, you don't see the issue here? It's, what future say? It's the evil world we live in. I, like, this show is, watch this show. Jessica's is the coonery. Like, it's the coonery. And who, I got uh, Marlena. Marlena's to blame for this. Um, uh, T's to blame for this. Um, who else is um, talking about this show? Uh, Sam, Sam, you're the black. Like, it, I just seen people talking about the show, and I had to watch it. And now I'm, I'm just sucked in. And now season two is even crazier. I'm only seeing one episode of season two. And all I know is a girl who's a virgin and lives in Texas is going to get her dude that she met online in Michigan, and they're going to have sex. She know he got. And all of a sudden, you know, normally whenever they have the kid or something, they say that. They bring in like the three-person view. 
he's still with his baby mama. His baby mama think that he gonna get out, go back to New York. They engaged, gonna get married. So the two don't know each other about each other, and they showing it like everything's going. They shopping for wedding dresses at the same time. Like this is gonna be nuts. It's gonna be fucking nuts. Um. I never wanted. I never want love anywhere near that bad. Where I'm looking on uh, jail sites for love. One dude would spend ninety thousand dollars on the chick. <laughs> one, uh, one chick who from Milwaukee or West Dallas or whatever, end up relapsing. The guy surprised his friend trying to tell him like, "Hey, if she's sick, she might be doing it." He gets so mad, and that's what the fuck she end up doing. Like, it's crazy. Watch the show. Um, I don't know how many minutes he spent on that shit, but this shit is nuts. Watch it. It's just, it's, it's, it's coonery. And every sense of the word coon. Um, and again, coonery, you know, in this term, in this situation, don't have a color. Don't have a race. Because coon is coon. And this is just some straight up coonery. Because this shit is nuts. So, <laughs> love after lockup. Um, what else is going on? Um, an anniversary of music news. Um, yesterday, um, sparked the 10-year anniversary, which one makes me feel old as fuck. But the 10-year anniversary of probably one of the most impactful mixtapes. I had someone saying it was the best mixtape ever. Best is not the answer, but I would say probably the most impactful mixtape probably to an artist. So far gone. Drake's third mixtape, his one that got him on, his major one, um, so far gone, released 10 years ago as of yesterday, um, which is just even nuts to think about, I remember, you know, because if you, for the most part, if you listen to music back then, you kind of knew kind of who Drake was, one, because of the grassy, but also because he had a couple, like, you had the replacement girl with Trey songs, and that one got big enough where you knew, like, oh, that's the grassy dude. But yeah, I did a couple tapes. He did a comeback season. He did uh, Room for Improvement. Uh, you heard him on songs. Like I'm, I still, to this day, remember him doing uh, Closer to My Dreams. And that shit was cold. That shit is still cold. That's still one of my favorite Drake songs. Um, and then he started to blossom from there, right? He got on with Wayne because um, of Jazz Prince. They brought him back there. And you started hearing him more and more. The buzz started getting there. I remember when he was on Ransom. Ransom came out. Ooh, couple months before So Far Gone came out. So that's when he got the buzz got there. I think he was on another song too. So the buzz was building. So I remember, you know, that So Far Gone, it came out like 3 o'clock that day. It was a Friday, I remember. Yeah, so I was coming out early in the day, kept getting delayed because he was working on it, all those different things. He had his um his blog, which it was, I told him it was very own, like .net or something like that, if I remember correctly. And I remember I was at I was on 15th. Shout out to uh, it was me and Fred. Shout out to Fred. We was waiting for it to come out so we can um, download it. You know you had to download it off that Piff and all those websites. Download it, put it on the flash drive, burn the CD and all that shit. So we was waiting. It came out, and like to me, like and it, no, just it was Drake being Drake at its essence, right? And that's kind of what you want, Drake fans. You know, and I am a Drake fan. A lot of people think I hate Drake. I do not hate Drake. I don't. I hate views. Views is trash. Don't hate you, but I do hold Drake accountable, and I know Drake's strategy, and I just call it how I see it when I see the strategy. So when you see things like Scorpion being a double disc, when it had no reason to be a double disc other than you're just going to go for these streaming numbers and you just want like the records, I'm just going to call you out on. I'm going to judge your products. I'm going to judge your projects accordingly. 
right? Like I see someone on Twitter, I can't remember who it was. They was like they were surprised Scorpion didn't win best or album of the year. I was like, I, I, he, I thought that was in the bag. Like, what bag did you think that was in? Like again, and you know Drake gave his speech and all that shit, and the speech sounded cool except for. That's not the game you win anyway, so your speech doesn't necessarily matter when it comes to that, because you're not in it for the awards. You've shown that over the last three, four projects. You're in it extremely for the money and the social acclaim, the streaming records, all those different things. You've shown that. You've shown your cards. So now that I know you're doing your cards, I'm going to, you know, judge your products accordingly. But if you go back to So Far Gone, that was Drake being his Drake. He had the very... Multi-talented. You had the singing. You had the harmonizing. You had him rapping about things that he wanted and things that places that he wanted to be. And it's kind of the same with every artist. That's your favorite artist, right? How they, you know, how they start up and kind of how they rapping. They kind of want the success and they want the fame. And obviously, you know, compared to ten years down the road when they got all that, you know, things change. But I think overall, this so far gone was just so it was so organic. Like I remember, like you know, lustful life starting. You had the successful, which is the big, or what was going to be the big single off of that with Trey Songs and Wayne. Obviously, best I ever had was the, the huge single, which made that blew Drake the fuck up. But just that album, it flowed so well. It was so organic. It was so him. It was so easy to make in regards of like, all right, it 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 didn't seem forced, and at no point at all. During the uh, any of the songs, like, everything seemed organic. Like it was just him doing him, and that came super. It became super big, and it was just cool to see the impact of that because essentially it blew him up, made him to the star that he is now. Um, and it was just dope to see. And I was like ten years, and you know you you know you still remember the mixtape. I was like ten years, like that shit is crazy. And I remember just downloading shit, and then you had to go and re-download it because then he like two days later he added. Congratulations on the end. So you had to re-download it because that wasn't on the or that wasn't on the original uh, first cut. So you had to re-download it. And um, man, if you just look at the album, let's pull up the album. And he did say that um, it's going to be available on streaming services later tonight. Um, I guess I'm not sure if it's going to be remastered. I know that was part of the whole Kanye um, Drake Twitter saga part. Eight or whatever, a couple you know months ago, when he essentially wanted Kanye to clear the sample for um, for uh, say what's real, um, which obviously uses Kanye beat. He wanted him to clear the sample, so uh, and it pretty much led up to everyone figuring out that Drake was going to do something for the ten year anniversary of it. So remaster. I'm assuming it's going to be all the same songs. I don't see any reason why he would change it at this point. But you had Lust for Life, which is dope. Houston, Atlanta, Vegas, which is dope. Successful, which is dope. Uh, let's call it off, which is dope. Because again, that just Drake, or Drake being in a different bag, but also it just being organic. Him just hopping on another song like that was just easy. It flowed very well, right? Um, November 18th, which is dope, which slowed down Houston um, influence. Ignorant shit, him and Wayne killed that, which is saying a lot because ignorant shit to beat from Jay and uh, Benny Sig on American Gangster, that was just a cold ass beat. And Drake and Wayne ripped that up. And then the next song, Night Off, when they flipped that beat and slowed it down, him and Lloyd, great song. Put that on your dinner time playlist, by the way. Night Off. Um, Say was Real. Drake just ripping it and shit on there. Um, Little Bit was a dope-ass song. Obviously, best I ever had was this. Just took off. Like, it was just a dope-ass song. Catchy. 
it had everything that you it had literally everything that you want in a uh, in a single, and it just took off. Um, Unstoppable, dope that he used that, or I guess it wouldn't be a sample. He just remixed it and added this song over um, Santa Go stuff. Uptown, which is probably my favorite song on the whole mixtape with him, Bun B, and Wayne, because they all just ripped it. Uptown was just a dope ass song to me. Um, Sooner than later, dope. Bria interlude, Bria's interlude, which is another deader time playlist song, was dope. The calm, brand new, which I had forgot brand new was on here, because brand new is another one of those songs that were, was becoming popular. I wouldn't even say underground, just popular. But not, obviously not a mainstream song, but it was becoming popular, made him more popular before the actual um, mixtape came out. And then congratulations, which he wrapped over that Coldplay beat, and it was just dope, dope ass mixtape from uh, you know from bottom to top, front to bottom. Um, Mitchell's words up and shit, but you got it. Um, and it aged very well. Like I was listening to it last yesterday, and it just it still it still sounds. Smooth, it sounds organic, it aged very well. And that's something that's really important, especially when it comes to you know mixtapes. Which, because back then, mixtapes weren't the same quote unquote mixtapes as they are now. Mixtapes now are just essentially albums I'm going to put out that don't have a theme, don't necessarily need to be cohesive, all those different things. Just records I want to put out for the streaming numbers. Whereas mixtapes back then were more of a platform. I want to say something, I want to get my shit off. You know, I just released that rec- album, but I want to. Give you guys more shit, and obviously you saw Wayne, you know, take mixtapes to another level. But like mixtapes were like statements back then, as opposed to now they're kind of just like, you no, know, whatever, you know, get a couple, you know, sixty-five thousand, you know, uh, streams or whatever. Back then, mixtapes were kind of your stamp, and you know, so far gone was Drake's stamp when it came to that, and it's still it it's aged very well. So, uh. I told myself I was going to pick my five favorite songs off. Actually, you know, we're going to save that for the Hot Tub playlist. I'm going to put my five favorite songs from So Far Gone. But it's 10 years old, which is crazy uh, to think <laughs> that I literally remember downloading that. Um, so, yeah, 10 years is long, very past. But shout out to Drake. Shout out to So Far Gone. Um, and, yeah, this is a great, back, great ass, you know, piece of art. Uh, speaking of anniversaries, also, again, another project that put someone on the map that we all, well, at some point we all loved and cared about. You know, now, whether or not you love and care about them, it's you know, different for obvious reasons. But this week also marked the 15th anniversary of the college dropout. And obviously Kanye's first um, album, you know, put him on the map in regards, of, in regards of being a rapper and being out there. Before then, we pretty much knew Kanye as the producer, um, you know, making a great soulful beats. Um, which I'm one, the first time I heard Kanye rap was on the Blueprint 2. I want to say it was the, was that the Bounce? Yeah, the Bounce. Horrible, <laughs> horrible verse. Like, I'm so glad Kanye got better, and obviously he got better with Hope, but thank God that the help came, because that verse was horrible, but the beats were still always cold, the beats was always cold, um, and we got the, and college dropout came 15 years ago, which again makes you feel old, because I remember being in high school and burning that off um, LineWire and Kazai and all that different shit, and then actually like, oh, this, this, this shit dope, I'm going to go out and buy it. Um... It's, you know, I see a lot of people, 
first off, obviously I'm a Kanye, Kanye fan. If you listen to this podcast, you know, love Kanye. Kanye's one of my favorite artists, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. Like, what he does now isn't going to take away what he did in the past. Like, it's not like he's R. Kelly or anything. Um, so, th- knowing that, if you listen to the podcast before, you know my stance when it comes to album. By far, to me, Kanye's number one, the greatest album, his best album, one of the greatest albums of... Probably the greatest album of this um, decade or millennium, whatever you want to call it. Uh, my my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. That's me by far number one. I don't think it's close. Um, the only album that I would say, if you say that, I'm not gonna like laugh you out of the room or throw something at you. Would be late registration. I think late registration is two, but depending on why you say it's number one, I can let you slide. But to me, by far, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is number one. Late registration is number two. College Dropout to me is number three. For a lot of people, College Dropout is their number one because it obviously introduced us to Kanye. And I always bring up the argument, or the, the not really argument, but it stands with, there's a difference between best album and favorite album, right? Because a lot of favorite albums are going to be when you're, you know, introduced to an artist for the first time, you know, when everything, you know, when you saw him come up and, you know, shit, ain't, shit is different, all those different things, right? So to me, obviously, College Dropout is probably everyone's favorite Kanye album. You know, it's still when he was, you know, cocky as fuck, but he didn't have everything he wanted. So there was still a little bit of a hunger there. There was a funness to it in some regards. Um, he was doing shit differently because those soul beats and how he was able to flip those is just crazy. Um, obviously, he had the co-sign of Rockefeller. So you had Hove there. You had Dame there. You had a lot of those, you know, connections, which helped, helped him on the album. Um, he had the, you know, he had his music or his beats that was able to, you know, I wouldn't say introduce, reintroduce or maybe introduce on a larger scale. Cause that's when Twister had his, you know, his, um, blow up to the national audience, I guess us being in the Midwest, we knew Twister for the longest from a drill and rush and all that different shit, but it put Twister on a whole nother level nationally. And obviously Kanye helped with that. Um, you know, I would say, I would say definitely he helped, uh, re-innovate, he helped re, um, reignite Common's, um, career would be, you know, having the, you know, the cred of, you know, Talib and Most Def, all those different things, Kanye was just, he literally was, I, what was that, um, Drake was, what was, Drake has a verse, um, was that on, I can't remember the song, on So Far Gone, uh, maybe it's Ransom, but it's like, uh, making everybody nervous because them backpackers gotta get 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 a um get along with them hood niggas, right? And that's kind of what Kanye was. Kanye was the cocky nigga who wanted all the crazy hoes and wanted the, the, all the swag, but he wanted to do it his way. So you had the polo and you know all that different shit before you know polos was cool. Um, you know he wanted to be the backpack rapper. He wanted that respect. He wanted to be known as a, you know an MC a flower. But he also wanted to be a cool producer. He wanted to have the big status and the bling bling like a J. And he just was able to combine all those different things into Kanye, right? And, I, you know, we hadn't seen that on that level. And College Dropout was exactly that. I remember, you know, I remember writing a paper freshman year about Kanye and um, Don't Care. And it was I, one of my favorite papers I ever wrote. Fire, too. <laughs> Got an A-plus on that motherfucker old white dude he made him listen to college dropout but uh, and i wasn't in college when college dropout came up by the way i was younger than that but i still use don't care for the um paper but it's the greatness of the album it was you no know, again we talked about drake and regards to organicness 
college dropout was organic. He had those soul beats. He was able to make it his own. He was very versatile and obviously would help. Very versatile in regards of you can he can give you a Jesus walks. He can give you and never let you down. And then he can give you a you know um, breathe in, breathe out. He can give you a school spirit. He can give you a last call. Like he can give you all these different you know faces of Kanye on one album, and it sounded pretty most part it all sounded natural. It all sounded like him. It all was just good. And that was just dope. And again, it was just Kanye being Kanye. He talked about that on the last call about, you know, him, you know, being the oddball in Rockefeller. If you think about Rockefeller at the time, obviously you had the originals, obviously Jay, uh, Myth Bleak, you had Beanie, but then you bring in state properties, you have that. Um, they brought in dip sets, you had that. At that point, you had MOP. Um, so Rockefeller was just this, you know, wide net of people from the East Coast. None of them are like Kanye. <laughs> As you have Kanye, you throw him in the middle, he start making the beats, he gets on fire because making the beats, they eventually, you know, let him rap and listen a lot. Also, TV Fat of Life, if you don't listen to all of Last Call, I do not trust you. You're not to be trusted. Uh, you might be a terrorist if you don't listen to all of Last Call. But, so that would make Kanye, he just stood out amongst all of Rockefeller. And again, you have so much shit going on in Rockefeller at the time, and you drop Kanye in there, and he was able to be himself and kind of... Fuse all those different sides and still be Kanye. And you just look back at that album, and it's 15 fucking years. It's crazy. Uh, pull up the track list. And I'm, you know, one downside is when you burn CDs for like the longest, I really thought that was Bernie Mac. <laughs> Like for for a good like year before um I before I actually looked at the credits and um like oh so that was D Ray I really thought that was Bernie Mac like for the longest but we don't care which is this oh my god I remember that shit came on that shit that shit was so just drug dealing just to get like that shit was just it was just cold and then it made you obviously him being from Chicago. He was able to talk about all the, you know, the drug dealing shit, all the violence, but also knowing that wasn't him, and he didn't pretend to be that at all. He was himself, and he was able to be around that. He was also able to be himself. He was able to be the quote-unquote weird guy who liked music and art and all that different shit. Like, Kanye was able to be himself, right? And he was able to project that and show you all the different things. So you was like, yeah, he knows everything that went on around him, but that wasn't him. He wasn't trying to be. He also talked about when he wanted to be that, and people were like, no, my guy, that's not you. Uh, I remember that was, I'm pretty sure Drive Slow when he was talking about, um, it was a D-Rock and all that shit, gave him a nickname and all that different shit, but, you know, we don't care, it's ridiculous, all falls down, it's just obviously absolutely ridiculous, and it's funny because not anytime Kanye does anything that black people don't like, they all just point out the all falls down, which is a valid thing to do, but it's just funny that you see it every single time, it kind of loses the the magic of it like all right we get it <laughs> like we get it he's he's rapid he's becoming everything against what he you know about but uh all falls down which is absolutely ridiculous um spaceship which was goc and consequence spaceship which was just absolutely ridiculous jesus walks which if you remember the punk video him doing the video and and everything with that you know it's just cool to see how he did jesus walks uh never let me down which Front to back, back to front was absolutely ridiculous. Because if you think, one, you had not only one, but two absolutely great whole features on the same song. I don't, there's a lot of great whole features that list is pretty long. 
But that second whole verse, or Never Let Me Down, has to be top five whole features. Has to be. And hell, even before you get to the second one, you drop into Ivy doing the poetry shit, and that shit was cold as fuck. You had, like, that whole record alone. Like, that shit alone, without anything else on the college dropout. That shit damn near makes the college dropout a classic. Damn near that song alone. Like, that shit was absolutely ridiculous. Oh, my God. Like, I remember listening to him, right? And then you end up having, like, the, you know, Jay Ivey. Like, Jay got his shit off. Kane got his shit off. Jay Ivey really got his shit off. In a different way, because that's, you know, the poetry shit, right? And then you think the song going, you think the song over. Dogs and Ho come back. And it's just, oh my God, I would, both the rock from a pedal, pedal rock before I met you. Pedal bites got my nephew pedal bites because they special. Triple entendre don't even ask, like, it's, oh my God. And that, the triple entendre part is not in there, but obviously, if you know, hove, entendres are hove's things. But it's this, oh man. Oh my God. This and Jay will get you mace. When I start spinning them lyrics, niggas get very religious. Since Hail Mary's, please, Father, give us. You're in the Archbishop, the Pope John Paul, and y'all niggas, the way y'all all follow Jigga. Ho's a living legend, and I tell you why. Everybody want to be hove, and hove's still alive. Jesus Christ. Like, that, still to this, I, like, that's in the top five of feature, J features. And then you go from that to get him high, and get him high was just dope, because you had, you know, Tyler and Common. And Ty, you know, get him high was cold, or Kanye verse on get him high was cold. They bring in Tyler with the whole, you know, I know you helped me get this chick. And then Kami come on, and he just he mad at somebody, and he just getting his shit off. <laughs> he just getting he's mad. <laughs> he was a bitch. I got money stuff bigger than you. Like oh shit, all right, Common. He's just angry. That shit was dope. Um, the new workout workout plan was this funny, it was dope, um, obviously, it was weird, it was different, you had the whole breakdown, it was just kind of having fun, but that shit was catchy, it was good as shit, Slow Gems with Jamie and Twister was just absolutely cold, um, I remember putting niggas on that at Riverside, when that shit came on, like, MTV Raps, uh, MTV Jams in the morning and shit, that shit was just catchy as shit, um, Breathe In, Breathe Out with Ludacris, which is my only flaw <laughs> with... College Dropout. And not to say that it's a bad song, but it is the it's num it's the la it's the worst song on College Dropout. That's still good, still catchy. Messed up kind of the flow of the album, was not needed on the album. Understand why you had it on there, which you know Luda's big at the time. You got a Luda feature, you put him on there because it's Luda at that time. That's my own that's literally my only flaw with the college dropout. I know so a lot of people say sometimes too many skits. The skits were funny. They worked the album. They cool with me. Breathe in, breathe out is my only flaw with college dropout. And again, saying flaw in this term is, you know, it's, again, it's, it's grading on the scale of the whole album. Because it's still a good, catchy song. But compared to the rest of it, it's like, ah, we could have did without that. School Spirit, dope. Uh, two Words, which is absolutely dope with most and Freeway. Uh, through the wire, obviously, 
dope how he flipped the uh, Shaka Khan um, sample. Family business was just dope, and it was just kind of talking about you know real shit. And then last last call, he was just <laughs> just talking about how it's, it's like I'm here now type of shit, and it gives a whole story like that album is this again. It's just fun. It's fun to listen to, like. Cause late registration, great album. There's parts in there where it gets real. You got roses, um, you know, um, but not not let, never let me down, bring me down. Yeah, there's parts of late registration. It's like it's deep, it's dark, not dark in a bad way, but it's just like all right, like it's a cold song, but it's not fun and uplifting. Pretty much that's college dropout throughout. It's just everything's cool. It's just it's a new new person. It's like the new person you love. It's like the first time they come out. That was college dropout. Like we all loved Kanye. I can't think of any no one who anyone who hated college dropout. Just a dope ass album. And again, for me, the only flaw was just breathe in, breathe out. But it's just absolutely a cool album. The fact that that's 15 years, and you're just looking about the growth of Kanye since then. Um, it's just man. Obviously, you know, it's kind of um, it's a coincidence that you got so far gone in college dropout. You know, the same week in regards to anniversaries because. One sparks the other um, in regards to the influence or whatnot. You definitely can't ignore the influence of Kanye on Drake. Um, and that's, you know, it's, it's cool to see you see all those different things that came from the college dropout. But shout out to Kanye. Um, one of my favorite albums. Just a fun-ass album. This is a dope-ass, some dope-ass verses on there. So college dropout, 15-year anniversary. So... Uh, and other music news. What else you got? I mean, a lot of music news. We got Grammys. The Grammys just passed. Um, uh, obviously, I think that one well, of the big story for a lot of people, Cardi B winning Best Rap Album. Now, we talked about this predictions way back, I want to say early December when the predictions came out. And I said what should have won was either Daytona or Victory Lap. I think, like, by far, those are the top two rap albums of the year. Like, by far. But I did say the one that was going to win was Invasion of Privacy by Cardi B. It was the most popular. It was the biggest. He was the biggest rap star of the year. Like, that's typically how that goes for the most part, right? Now, my whole thing was like, all right, you can't be mad at Cardi B for winning. Who, how are you mad at Cardi B in anything? I don't understand. Cardi B is just a level person. She's real. She's herself. Um, good or bad, she's always herself. And I don't understand how you can dislike Cardi B. I just don't. So I, so when she won, I was not mad at her. Like, all right, it should have been Daytona or Victory Lap, easily those two. But at no way can you be like, oh, I can't believe this shit. Oh my god! Like, no, it's Cardi, and that was a really good album, and she's just a dope person. So to see her win was just dope. So like, even though she shouldn't, I wouldn't even say she shouldn't have won because that she shouldn't have won because there are two albums better than hers. However. That wasn't like a what the fuck pick, right? It wasn't like a like when Mac Livermore won over Good Kid, Mad City. That shit was like, yo, what the fuck, right? I don't think this was anywhere near that level. Of what the fuck? Because of the success, everything that Cardi had, the one to cheer for Cardi, like yeah, Victory Lap and Daytona was better. If you had, if I had to pick one between those two, and we'll get to that in a second, actually, but this. Shout out to Cardi B. I don't understand how people was mad. You can, you can be like, damn, they should have won. Or I But I don't understand how people get mad at Cardi B for winning. I don't see how you can get mad at Cardi B for pretty much anything that she does. It's just fucking Cardi. Like, she's lovable. I don't understand it. Um, P. 
picking between Daytona and Victory Lap is tricky because to me Daytona is flawless, but it is seven songs, and Victory Lap is pretty much damn flawless, and it's twice as long. So it's just like which one do you pick? It's hard to pick one over the other when Victory Lap is a full album length and Daytona seven songs. But those seven songs is straight to the point. But two great albums nonetheless. Uh, speaking of albums, album of the year, um, they got it wrong. Um, Golden Hour by Casey Mudgraves from one good album. Uh, shout out to Blacks. Um, he had been saying for the longest he was going to win. I said that it should have been Dirty Computer. Definitely should have been Dirty Computer. Um, Dirty Computer. I wasn't surprised Golden Hour won because typically if you have a country album in uh, album of the year that to be wins but also it was a good album it was good I can understand the reason why it was album of the year it was um, it was it flowed very well it had a very it was a strong album but they just got it wrong Dirty Computer should have won simple as that um, we need to riot not because of Dirty Computer not because of Cardi B and Daytona and Video Lab we need to ride because probably the two best songs of all last year didn't win anything. So All the Stars by Kendrick and SZA and The Middle by Zed and uh, Mary Morris and Gray, they didn't win shit. And we need to ride because those are by far the two best songs of last year. The Middle, by far, number one. All the Stars is up there, but obviously you the Black Panther tying in that ending scene. Like it was like the perfect thing to end Black Panther, but... Like they didn't win shit, and we need to riot, because something's not right, um, not right, you know, there's a lot of wrong in the world, it's evil world we live in, as future would say, and evil is raining, it's all over us, because the fact that they didn't, that the middle, and all the stars and win shit, is a huge issue, huge fucking issue, huge, and the fact that This Is America won over those songs is even worse, because we talked about this when the video came out, and I was like, the video is inner, it's innovative, even though it's not as innovative as people think, because it's there's a concept that video already done. Um, that wasn't corrupt. That was exhibit. But nonetheless, the video is innovative. There's a lot of shit going on. It was a lot of trauma porn, but it was a lot, right? It was a creative video. But the song was always like, eh, average at best. Catchy chorus. But the song was always after. So the fact that that shit won four, uh, four Grammys, including Song of the Year, was like, what the fuck is this shit? Like, ain't no way in hell this is America should have beat the, the middle and all the stars and anything, period. Best video, that's it. In which, I think Ape Shit is a better video just because they just stun in the fucking Louvre. But nonetheless... But ain't no fucking way this is the mirror. And I again, I might just be the only one missing out on the hype. Because apparently, the Grammy started was that. There's a lot of people riding with this in America. I don't understand it. I never understood it. It was like, all right, it's a catchy song because of the video. Catchy song, maybe a little bit of the chorus. But it wasn't a great song. It wasn't a good song. It was an average song. Wasn't even good for Childish Gambino um, standards. And the fact that that, that we need to riot, all right? Now, I see people always, you know, talking about we need to riot because, you know, Grammys don't care about black people and all this stuff. And that's all cool and all, I agree with you. But the fact that the middle didn't win anything, that's when we that's when we know for sure we need to riot, all right? Because the middle is, oh, my God. I was so angry. Oh, 
the night of the, the, the Grammys this year was kind of like, eh, in regards to the actual show. Um, shout out to Hove, Hove 22 Grammys? No, 22. Um, but the, I would say the highlight, but I guess it's the low light. So, news start coming up about this Motown tribute. And J-Lo's doing it. Now, the thing that made this weird amongst a lot of things is there are a lot of people in the audience for the Grammys who can do a tribute for Motown who are a lot better place, a lot better artists, just better options than J-Lo. This is also magnified by the fact they did like the, they had the Grammy celebrate, or no, the Motown celebration that they essentially recorded either the day after or the day before the Grammys. And they're going to, you know, show that like next month. Like that's typically what they do. They do like the country one. They do like the, um, so I think they did one for Dolly Parton and then they did the Motown one and they released those like throughout like the next couple months or so. Makes it seem like they're new, but they record them the same weekend. So you got people there who can do this better than J-Lo because you, you booked them for the celebration part. Now I understand having J-Lo because J-Lo's J-Lo, she's being some star power, but this is not Motown ain't her thing. Alright? <laughs> like it's just not like I understand it's J-Lo. She's from the Bronx. She's partially from the culture. She hasn't done anything music-wise from the culture in a while, but you know, she did have her... She did her stuff, so I'm not going to just totally discredit J-Lo. But she was never in the Motown bag. Ever. And the fact that they let her do a damn... Uptown... A medley of just random Motown songs, her just dancing and singing, in which I'm pretty sure she was, well, I know for sure she wasn't singing live, but I'm pretty sure that wasn't her singing on the damn track that they played over it. That didn't even sound like her. So you had that, you had her mixing in, doing, you know, 15 seconds of just the hits, uh, dancing in the streets, and then doing, it's like, ah, it, it, oh my Jesus, it was so bad. And it wasn't bad because, like, she was fucking it up. It was just bad because, like, for this to be a mo like, this could have been a, done a lot better by so many other people. You got her just randomly doing dances that didn't go even with the songs. Like, it just didn't go with the songs or with the theme or the time of the fucking era or the era that shit Motown was in. You throw in Mot or throw in Needle, have her do the songs so she can do her type of dancing. Tina, uh, Tina Marie rolling in her damn grave because you got her trying to sing Tina Marie songs. Like It's one thing to have her do Motown. But you got to keep her in a certain bag. And we know damn sure J-Lo ain't in the Tina Marie bag. Like if you wanted to have her just do some shout to Diana Ross because she had her 75th birthday and she sang um, you know, she had her performance. If you want to keep her like in the Diana Ross bag where it's like superstar but she was never like the vocally. You ain't Tina Marie. Like it's you can't have J Lo pretend to be fucking Tina Marie. It's like no, <laughs> like no. Rick James and Tina Marie in heaven, rolling their damn graves. And I just couldn't believe it. You got Jesus and Meryl from the Bronx. They rolling their damn grave. J Lo from the Bronx. The Fly Girls from In Liver Color rolling their damn grave. Like, that was horrible. And again, part of that's not J-Lo's fault. It's not none of it's her fault. She just shouldn't have been fucking picked for it. And I guess if you're going to tell me, hey, I got the opportunity to honor Motown on the Grammys, I guess technically you're not going to say no. 
But like somebody said to him, like, hey, man, this is a bad idea. Like, no, don't do this. And she after pretty much turned into like a little Las Vegas showgirl type thing. Like, no, this is horrible. And I seen people was like, you know, well, it had the blessings of Smokey Robinson and um, Barry Gordy. What the fuck are they going to say? To the It's either, hey, we got this idea for this Motown trip. You're going to have J-Lo do it or you won't have one at all. It's pretty much as simple as that. <laughs> like, it was bad. I just don't, and I don't understand why they picked her to do it out of all the people. Like, and then, it, it's, then the issues magnify more because then you had uh, the Aretha tribute and you had Fantasia and uh, Andre Day and Yolanda, and Yolanda Adams. She can read me cereal boxes. She can read me um, ingredients on the Febreze. Like anything that you want to give her to to sing to me, she can sing me the dictionary, and I was I would I'll let her sing the dictionary to me. I don't care what it is, cause her voice is so perfect. Yeah, so it's you got Aretha, you got them singing Aretha and killing it. Yeah, Chloe and Halle um singing, Donny Hathaway killing it. And I'm not saying there those are all good options for the Motown, but the fact that you have people who are more in line, and then you got just J Lo up there just doing the mentally as shit, horrible by the, the Grammys. I've seen people getting on Alicia Keys just because it's popular getting on Alicia Keys. And, you know, it was a weird host pick too, but she did kill it with the pianos. And also, the Grammys showed you a while ago, they don't necessarily care about who the guest is in regards to entertaining because LL Cool J was a host for like four years. And I said, Lisa Keys never gave us Accidental Racist. If you don't know what I'm talking about, YouTube Accidental Racist by Brad Paisley and LL Cool J. I, I haven't looked at L.O. Cool J the same since. Also, people like to give Lisa Keys shit because she stole, quote-unquote, Swiss beats. You call it stealing? I call it her being an opportunist. We look at these things two different ways. If they separate it, then hey, separation is separation. You don't separate unless you're ready to actually separate. And Lisa... And uh, Alicia saw something she wanted. She went in there and got it. But uh, yeah, the Grammys. Uh, regards with that. Um, speaking of the Grammys, obviously Cardi B won first female, first solo female to win best rap album. Um, which obviously, you know, everyone immediately started looking at Nicki Minaj. Uh, which you know, a lot of people say kind of freaked out that or surprised that Nicki never won a Grammy. And I don't, I wouldn't say I don't know why. I understand on the surface letter, like, oh, Nikki never won? How? But then if you look at, like, the albums she went against. So I looked this up on Monday. The Pink Print lost best rap album to To Paper Butterfly. Like, um, another one of her, um, uh, one of her albums lost to, like, the Black, it's like, it's, like, I want to say it's a Black album. Like, she's going against great competition. Like, she has Song of the Year, and she's lost to... Actually, let me pull this up. I was looking at it, looking up at it earlier uh, this week. All right, so I got this pulled up. So my whole thing, people are surprised, but I'm like, on a surface level, it makes sense. But if you look at what she's been nominated against, it's not a surprise she hasn't won a Grammy. So if we go back to um, when she was nominated, I think 2012, when she was nominated for Best New Artist. She lost to Bonnie Iver. Bonnie Iver's dope. She's also she also was against J Cole. If you pick between her and J Cole, obviously J Cole's 
J. Cole will beat her, regardless of what you think about Bonnie Iver. Um, so there's that. If we go to, let's see what else she was nominated for. She was nominated for Best Rap Performance for Moment for Life with her and Drake. They lost to Otis by Jay and Kanye for reason, um, from Watch the Throne. She, they obviously lost in regards to that. Like, it wasn't like, oh my God, I can't believe that she lost. Uh, best Rap Album that year. She was nominated for Pink Friday. She lost to My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Not even where, not anywhere even close there. And Washington is also in that category. Not even, even, not even an inch. Like, again, she's been nominated for that year. It's perfectly understandable why she lost. So if we go to what would have been 2015. She was nominated for Best Rap Song. And she lost to I. She was best rap song she had, Anaconda. She lost by, to I by Kendrick. So, you know, I love myself. Obvious reason why she lost. Anaconda, popular song, big. It's, you know, it's not, <laughs> it's not I. <laughs> it's not that. Uh, so, then if we go to 2016, uh, she got three nominations. Best rap album, best rap performance, and best rap song collaboration. Go to Best Rap Performance. She lost to All Right by Kendrick. Again, fairly obvious why she lost there. Um, and she was nominated for Truffle Butter, by the way. Um, she also was nominated for Best Rap Song Col uh, Collaboration with Only. Um, she lost to Kendrick for These Walls. Obvious why she would lose there. Also in that category was Glory, Classic Man, like not far-fetched. And then Best Rap Album, again, she was nominated for uh, Pink Print. She lost to, to Pippa Butterfly. So while she's had these nominations, it's not like a situation where she's been nominated against Scrubs. Like, she's lost to... she Her losses, her losses are valid. And that's not... Like, that's not... That's not a down or any... That's not like a demerit or anything on Nikki. Like, she's been nominated. She just hadn't won because she's going against great competition. That's no conspiracy theory or anything of that nature, right? I've seen people being shocked about how she lost. Like, it ain't, it ain't too shocking. Like, the year that she's been nominated, she's been getting real tough um, competition. But then we had BT, And I don't even, like, BT been out of whack for a long time. Because, again, they're black entertainment television. They're not black. They're Viacom. They're the same as VH1, same as BT or MTV. And the, whatever the, um, the CMT or whatever the, uh, country music station is they're the same as all that they're all Viacom they're all the same um, and BT they do some weird shit and for some reason and I don't even understand why they even it's so they reposted you know the link saying Cardi won best rap album and all that stuff you know you post a link and then you can do like the, the caption of the tweet or the post they did it on Facebook and on Twitter they said and Nikki getting dragged by her hair extensions or a wig or whatnot. Like, what the fuck, BET? Like, one, you can congratulate Cardi without shitting on Nikki. Like, these two, they're mutually exclusive. Like, they might hate each other, but in general, you could be fans of both. You can congratulate one without thinking of the other one. But then the fact that you just shit on Nikki for no reason it was just like. Media company, what the fuck are you doing? Like, it's not like random person. Like, it's not like fan. It's not like 
Cardi fan or I don't know what her fan base is. They're not the bars or whatever her fan base is called. But it's not like, all right, Stan. It's like, no, you are a media company. You're supposed to be, you're supposed to be, you're not supposed to be biased about this at all. And you can big up Cardi without having this crazy ass post that was just disrespectful as fuck. And it's just like, it was dumb and crazy for BT standards. Not saying a lot. Because again, this ain't a new shit. Boondocks been talking about uh, Endeavor Evil for longest. But it was crazy to see that post. And Nikki pulled out of um the BT experience. Wayne pulled out as well. And then they tried to apologize. I just don't even understand why you would think that would be cool on a company account. Like whoever the... I would say intern, but knowing BT, that that probably was like a top of their social media person. The BT ain't never, they ain't got this shit right in a long time. The fact that they thought that shit would fly is just absolutely ridiculous. Like, say what you will about Nikki, and Nikki's still a great artist, and she's just had her moment when she's just doing a lot of weird shit and a lot of irritating shit. But last, that's not, <laughs> that has nothing to do with her as a person. That has nothing to do with regards to her. You disrespecting her. Like, where the like? I just don't understand it. Like it, it, it. I, I just didn't get it. Uh, it was crazy. Cause like shit, let if if MTV would have tweeted that same shit, all hell would have broke loose. And if uh, I just can't even put words in the what BET was thinking. I just what the fuck BET? It ain't nothing new. Um, shit, they so more than 20 times a day any damn ways, but that shit was just out of the fuck. I just didn't even understand the thought behind doing it. That shit was like worse than Baller Alert or some shit like that. That shit was horrible. Um, yeah. Guess we can go to Hot Tub Playlist of the Week. Hot Tub Playlist of the Week. Um, you know how many things I listen to while chilling in the hot tub, drinking a nice glass of bourbon. Um, you know, feel free to always submit songs to the Hot Tub Playlist. Uh, you can tweet them for your mind pod. Um, you can text the number 262-806-3, Um, or just text us to my regular number if you had that. Shout out to Jink Jink always sending out the, um, the this different songs you listen to, um, pretty much on a daily basis. And I appreciate that because there'd be so much music out there and I don't be knowing where to go. And Jink got a good track record. So that's good. Cause you can't already, can't, some of y'all music for some of y'all ear for music is out there. Some of y'all shit is out. Like, it was people. It, Aria, okay. There's a whole group of people out here who was mad that Matt Miller didn't win because he died. And R.I.P. Mac, Mac was always a cool dude. He was always a good artist. And he was always a natural, he was an organic artist. He was always the guy who was him having fun or going through his stuff. He never, it was never forced. Mac was never trying to be anything that he wasn't. He was always him. And Swimming is a really good album. But just because he died, don't mean he deserves an award. Like, shut that shit up. Like, Ariana Grande, you trying to tweet? Like, shut up. And she bat, I ain't never seen nobody bat, bat pedal faster than that. Oh, uh, no, it's not because of, it has nothing to do with Cardi, you know? Like, alright, I've been waiting for somebody to shut her up. And I, and I thought it was gonna be Cardi, but I think Cardi was just, she too much on a high and then so many people are getting mad at her for winning the music in general. She didn't have enough attention to go towards Ariana. I was hoping. I, would, I wanted that tree to fall on her so bad. But 
getting yeah. Some of y'all music, y'all hear from music out there. And I don't even know where that segue, that tangent came from. But anywho, how to play this week? So this week is actually going to be. I think we're going to do my top five favorite songs from So Far Gone. And my top five favorite songs from College Dropout. Now, favorite in regards to favorite, not best, not the most lyrical, not the the one you ride to, not all that. This overall favorite. So again, So Far Gone for me, number one is Uptown. To me, that was by far my favorite song on there. Just Cold that song from everybody involved, him, Bun, uh, Lil Wayne. Night Off, him and Lloyd, along with uh, Bria's interlude with him and Omarion, uh, Lust for Like, it kicked off the album and it was just dope. And then Congratulations, which again added on there. It was the second edition, which came like two days later because the original downloaded version didn't have it, the zip drive and all that shit, a zip file. But Congratulations, that'll probably be my five favorite songs. From so far gone. Um, college dropout. Ooh. Well, number one. Ooh, shit. Number one is Never Let Me Down. Number two, We Don't Care. Number three, Last Call. Number four, Spaceship. Uh, number five, All Falls Down. That one I did on top of my head. I planned to do the college, the so far gone when college dropout. That one came out on top of my head. But those would be the five I'll pick in regards to most my favorite. Not the best, not the most lyrical, not the the one you ride to, none of that shit. This is my favorite. So let me know what your favorite five tracks from So Far Gone, as well as your five favorite tracks from the college dropout. Shit, tweet them. We'll read we'll talk about them over the next week or so. Uh free your mind pod. Feel free to text them as well. 262 um, so hot tub playlist of the week there. Oh, let's see. We got the T Free Factor Life. You no know, T Free Factor Life. You know, opportunity for me get, for me to give you guys great nuggets of wisdom, so you guys can carry um, carry these nuggets. You know, throughout your life, throughout your travels. So you know, this week T Free Factor of Life is <clears throat> T Free Factor Life. Like the chocolates in the box that you buy for Valentine's Day. Gotta be careful what you eat. TV factor life. You know, sometimes man, you get them that rope that Russell Stovers or whatever you get, and you get that random piece of chocolate with the damn coconut in there. That shit just throw the whole vibe of the, all the damn chocolates off. Like, yes, I want like the turtle type of chocolates, and then you just go and throw this damn coconut one in there and store it all off. So you gotta be careful what you eat. Use that in all phases of your life. TV factor life there. Um DMD for the week, as we talk about, you know, uh, in the, this tis the season somewhat from a lot of you guys in regards to Valentine's Day. Um, if you've listened to the podcast before, you kind of know my stance on Valentine's Day. But just in general, this does go with the um, the season. Floral delivery fees. DMD, like, what the fuck? Like, there's y'all be charging $80, $30, $36 to deliver the fucking flowers. Like, you think you got a deal on the damn flowers. The bouquet of roses, $19.99, whatever it is. But the damn delivery charge is like $50 in itself. Like, all I need you to do is go up to the fucking building, drop the shit off, ring the buzzer, and run back in your car and leave. Like, 
I don't need you to do no damn karaoke song. I ain't asked to do no damn Chuck and Jive dance. I'm not asking to be Whitney Houston. Just give the flowers and get the fuck out the way. That should not cost $50. It ain't like y'all shipping these roses from fucking California itself. Like, no, these are y'all contract local floors in the area to make these bouquets. Why the fuck am I paying $50 and they got to drive two miles? Makes no sense. Which also gives me a great idea. I'm surprised Uber ain't started doing it yet. You got Uber Eats. You got was DoorDash. You got Grubhub. All these different things. Why the fuck didn't Uber just start doing a floral delivery service? Like, like it'd be very simple. Again, a lot of local um, florists, so it's not like it's hard to get these flowers. You just collaborate the same way. 1-800-Flowers and Pro Flowers and F, was FTD. All those companies, just, you know, have their website. And then the local florists make the shit and they deliver the shit. I don't understand why Uber Eats having just took that same... The same fucking model they do for picking up McDonald's and all that shit. It's like, all right, local floors will deliver your shit and make the delivery cost like five, ten dollars. Motherfuckers buy shit all the time. Flowers, edible arrangements, all that shit. Like the delivery, like there's delivery cost alone makes you not want to order none of that shit. Like I'd rather just buy the roses, drop them off. With a damn Nixon mask on, Alex, it's not me, rather than pay the fucking $50 for the delivery charge. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely crazy. DMD for the week. Like, how the fuck delivery charges are that much still in 2019? It's absolutely fucking mind blowing. Um, just see. Get into sports for a little bit. Um, as we get ready to enter the All Star break, NBA All Star break, always oh, a great weekend. Um, with the All-Star festivities, a celebrity game, rookie sophomore game, um, obviously Saturday night with the uh, three-point contest, skills challenge, and the dunk contest, and then obviously All-Star game. Um, by far, NBA does the All-Star break in the game the best. Um, it's always exciting, even though we kind of know the game's not going to be nothing but just a dunk contest in itself until like the fourth quarter, but it's still exciting to be able to watch all these different things, so... As we enter the All-Star break, uh, Milwaukee Bucks are, um, you know, number one in the uh, East, number one in the league, best record. Uh, so it's really exciting to see how they've turned everything on and they've found a way to get better um, by getting my boy Three Cola, uh, which is going to really help them because he's going to help, again, spread that floor. And I don't uh, – I wouldn't say I'll take it back because we haven't seen the Bucks succeed in the playoffs in a while. So there's going to be – once we get in the playoffs, are all those trees going to fall? Because that's essentially what it's going to turn out to. But the fact that they've played the way they played, um, Coach Bud has them playing phenomenal. Giannis is having an MVP season. And everything about what they're doing is just absolutely great. So it's really cool to be able to see um, everything. And again, they found a way to get better. And, you know, essentially it looks like they're going to, co- I wouldn't say coast, but they're going to get their number one seed. And the East is going to be a very entertaining playoff. So between all the different moves that everyone's done, the Sixers bringing in Tobias Harris, um, you know, the Raptors. Um, it's just, the Celtics didn't make any moves, but it would be interesting to kind of see if they can work out their kinks that they have because essentially they kind of have a Kyrie's demand Add in Gordon Hayward, but the team last year almost made it to the finals, and they're kind of, kind of, you know, they're not meshing because of that. And it's kind of, you know, Kyrie's Kyrie; he's gonna get his points. 
but you know, all the, you have all these other players on the team that did a lot more last year, and they're trying to figure out that balance. But if it's one coach, I'm not going to bet against is Brad Stevens. We talked about that on the podcast before. I'm never going to bet against Brad Stevens, so I'm willing to bet they're going to figure it out by the playoffs. So the East is going to be a very entertaining um, playoff way, a lot more to entertain out the West. You know, pretty much Golden State's coming out the West. I don't the shit. The West not even going to be as entertaining as we thought it was going to be because the Rockets aren't the Rockets from last year. The Lakers aren't going to do anything. The Nuggets, while they are good, I don't think are even ready to win. That's going to essentially come down to OKC and the Warriors, and I think the Warriors will have too much for them. So I think the West is going to be kind of we already know, we already knew it was going to have come out of the West anyway. So we, we at least hoped it would be entertaining. But the East is just going to be nuts because you got you know the top four in regards to the Bucks, the Sixers, the Raptors, the Celtics, but then you got. The Nets, which are just, if you, the Nets, they're not going to win anything, but they are just fun to fucking watch. You know, D'Angelo Russell's getting off. Um, the Verts coming back. Like, they're just, Dinwiddie's going to be back in a little bit. They're just fun to watch. So they're going to give teams issues in the playoffs. They're not going to win a series, but they're just fun to watch. Um, the Pacers are still maintaining. They're still doing good after um, Oladipo got hurt. Like, the East is just going to be a fun playoff um, to watch in regards to all the different series. So it's going to be fun. Like, it's going to come down to the top four, but it's just going to be entertaining to see what happens. But it's cool to see the Bucks, um, the Bucks be, you know, leading the East. And just the way they're playing is just absolutely just crazy. And it's cool just to be able to see it just Giannis just dominate shit. And Giannis getting that cocky shit. <laughs> Giannis, they asked him yesterday, I think it was about, um, who the hell was it? Uh, was it, um, uh, I about to say that, is it? Yeah, that is Allen. And they asked him about, you know, you know, him holding Giannis, and Giannis usually have trouble with him and all that. And Giannis pretty much was like, hey, man, don't know, ain't no one person going to stop me in this league. Like, going to be a whole team that's going to have to stop me. And then that's why I got these other four motherfuckers out here to shoot and hit these threes. So that's, like, ain't no one person in this league going to stop me. Like, he cool and all. Like, he cool, he decent. But ain't no one motherfucker in this league going to stop me. Giannis is getting his shit off. He got, the other day, was the last week he did that dunk. He was fucking killing the Wizards. He said, I'm the fucking MVP. You know, it's Valentine's Day. So, you know, he getting this, you know, horny rock song. Because last year he had the, um, the bell. He got the bell for Valentine's Day. They had bring for a blowjob. And he said, I can be a freak on the court and in the sheets. He had his Fortnite four play jokes and shit. Like, you know, he, so we in his bag. You know, he got all the swag right now. So it's cool to see the Bucks being, you know, um, doing what they're doing. Um, also, shout out to the Mavs. Uh, Mavs are, to say they're a lot better than I thought it was going to be is really a mute point because I thought they were going to be horrible. But Luka, fucking Luka. God damn. Like, I knew Luka was going to be good. I knew he was going to do some things because while he is a rookie, he's not your typical rookie because he's played European basketball. So he's a rookie with the best level of experience you can have without being in the NBA. And he just fucking balling out of fucking control. And just obviously rookie of the year. I don't think we even gotta debate that. But he's just balling. And now you add the Mavericks pulling off a great trade, getting Porzingis there. And it was a great move. Um because essentially Porzingis can be a restricted free agent. You can keep them there and you can tie them two together. A la Dirk and Steve Nash. And, and Mark Cuban's already said he's not going to make the same mistake that he did with letting Steve Nash go. Um, now, part of that's not going to be necessarily 
up to him because if Porzingis wants to, he can turn down the qualifying offer this year at the end of this summer, rather. And since he played next year on the last deal and then become an unrestricted free agent. And he can do that if he wants to bet on himself. Now, I don't think he necessarily will, but he can do that. And he's I think he's already said he's not going to play this year because of the knee. But nonetheless, the fact that you can have Porzingis with um with Luca, we got rid of uh, Harrison Barnes' contract. You know, we got Andre DeAndre Jordan's going to leave, but it was out one of those things where we'll sign you to a one-year deal, and then from there we'll re-sign you. So we ain't even got to worry about that for this summer because I didn't want to re-sign him for that money anyways. Um, so a lot of space. You got a really good rookie. Obviously, uh, Rick Carlisle is one of the better coaches in the league. Like they just look good. Again, they're not going to win anything. Um, I don't. They're. I'm not saying that. But Luca is just when you watch them, he's fucking fun to fucking watch, and he does not play like a rookie. Like at all, he got all the fucking swag in the world when he go out there and play, and it's just dope. We had to get rid of Dennis Smith Jr., which I hated to see, but it's one of those things where if you can get Porzingis for a player that you want was already talking about trading, but also you can't necessarily have Luca and Dennis Smith play to their capabilities at the same time, then you got to get rid of one of them. And I guess you kind of do that. So shout out to the Mavericks pulling off that trade and this Luca being as cold as he looks to be so far. And the Knicks for, I guess, somewhat doing something right. <laughs> Porzingis got in there talking that shit, talking about he didn't know if he wanted to be there. They said, oh, we'll make this decision real easy for you, my guy. We're going to get you the fuck out of here. One hour later, got him out the paint. And you got the point guard on which you originally should have drafted in regards to Dennis Smith Jr. Um, and you got a whole bunch of aspiring contracts. So that leaves them a room to now have two max slots for this summer, which is going to be interesting because there was always to talk about maybe KD going there or maybe Kyrie going there. And now you got room to get those two. Plus, you got Kevin Knox, who look who looks really good, and he absolutely killed Ben Simmons last night with that dunk. Jesus Christ! Um, got a Dennis Smith. Like you got some pieces there. They're not good at all right now. We got those pieces there. You got what we think is a good coach in Fisdale. So if they can get two max players, now again, they are the Knicks, so they typically find a way to fuck this up. They typically that's they found a way to fuck this up. Like they they find a way to fuck it up. But if they can get two max players there between Kyrie, who now it's always kind of shaky between him and Boston, which we already knew that once he said for sure he was signing there this year, we should have known he was leaving. But you got that. KD seems to be leaving. He might leave. Um, yeah, they can try to do a trade for AD or they can wait it out a year. Uh, yeah. Like, I don't see how the Knicks can totally fuck up this bad this summer other than the fact that they are the Knicks and they find a way to lead to fuck it up. Like, I can't find a way how they can fuck it up, but they, the fact that they got two max spots with the young talent that they have, who they can keep. Again, you got Dennis Smith Jr., you got Kevin Knox. Like, those are really two good players. Or two developing players. Good in regards to that. They don't cost you much. You can keep them. Like, if they can add two max players to that, like they can they can get shit moving. So it'll be interesting to see what free agency in general is gonna be interesting, but especially now that you got the Knicks really you can get two max players there. 
or the Knicks could be like the Knicks and they can sign somebody like a Draymond or something to a max deal because that's typically how this works because they're the Knicks. So we'll see what happens. Um, what else is going on in sports? None. Uh, one one uh, interesting thing. Um, so in the world of golf, uh, randomly this uh, past week, or actually the story came out this past week. It actually happened in November. Golfer Matt Kuchar, um, he won a golf tournament, won the purse was $1.3 million roughly. Um, he used one of the resorts caddies. So if you don't know how this works, typically if you're a, the really top golfers, the Tigers, the Fields, you know, um, Rory, Jordan, all those guys, they have their own caddy. Their caddy goes with them everywhere that they go, no matter what. So you got Bones and Fields together for a while. Like you just have these people, right? When you're, and Matt Kutcher, Matt he's a, He's a known pro if you watch golf. Like he's not the mainstream guy, but if you watch golf, somewhat consistent, you know you know who he is. So he has enough money to have his own caddy. But sometimes what these guys do is they'll just have they'll just use the caddies at the resorts. Because again, it's not like we go into like Lincoln Park and use Noah's golf course. These are like pristine golf courses. They have like the top of the top caddies in regards to people who want to go there. So a lot of times they'll just go use these guys there in regards to the caddies. And they'll just pay them off, and they'll just you know negotiate the price ahead of time. Uh, so what happened was he, you know, negotiated with the um, the caddy at the resort, who he says on a you no know, on a normal day he might on a good day he made two hundred dollars a day. Negotiated, hey man, I'm gonna give you five thousand for this weekend for caddying for me. Good money, except for. Uh, Matt Kuchar, he won the tournament. Again, won $1.3 million. Now, typically what happens a lot of times is when the golfer wins the tournament, the caddy gets about 10%. Matt Kuchar, I guess, deciding one, he already negotiated ahead of time, already paid him more than what... Because originally, the guy wanted... I guess initially, the guy's rate would have been like $2,000. He was like, all right, I give you $5,000. After he won, he tried to give him another 15000 The caddy said... No. Now, where this kind of dilemma comes into play is Matt Kuchar thinks he's saying he's he was saying no because they had already agreed to a deal, and now this story's coming up because people have gotten this ear, and now he wants more money. Other people think he said no because it was just like, hey, I want 10% of $1.3 million. You should just do that. You should, you know, honor, right? So this is going back up, man. I I feel like again, it's not like Mac. He's not an amateur. He's not like a. This going to be your only chance for a win. You will never see one point three million dollars ever again. Like my guy, for your reputation, for the news is all covered. This on him looking out for you. Like if you gave him five thousand dollars, normally caddies get ten percent. You try to give him fifteen thousand. Like my guy ain't done, man. <laughs> Like it's a difference, fifteen thousand on top of that five. That's twenty thousand. It's a big ass gap between twenty thousand and one hundred thirty thousand, which is what that ten percent essentially would shake out to be. Big ass gap. Uh, you can you can give more than fifteen thousand, my guy. I get the fact that hey man, we already negotiated beforehand and all that, but it's just like as golfer, golf is a gentleman's sport. <laughs> it's about decorum and it's about manners and all that different shit. Like you should, hey, you won. Regardless if he helped you or not, in regards to you no know, the the conditions and all that stuff, you should just be like, hey man, he go 
to ten percent. He'll go to eight percent. He'll go more than two fuck or more than twenty thousand dollars, more than five thousand dollars. Like, come on, man. Like, you won one point three million dollars. <laughs> the average thing to do is ten percent. You didn't even give him five percent. Like, come on, man. Like, like, come on. Give him the, and now it looks bad because for the mainstream, the only reason why people know his name now is because he's being looked at as being super cheap. And he's probably going to end up doing the right thing any fucking way and giving him the money. But now you're going to look like you're being forced to do the right thing rather than just doing it out of, I wouldn't even say the goodness out of your heart, just on the the principle, man. Like, y'all negotiated 5000 yeah, but if I win 1.3 mil and typically caddies get 10%, you can look out for the man. Obviously, he's not your caddy, so you know he's not seeing this money every week. He might see this money maybe once in his lifetime. He might see this money maybe once a year because, again, tournaments are pretty much held at the same resorts once a year, those type of tournaments. So if he's lucky, he might be at a caddy for someone next year and get another five racks or whatnot. Like, come on, man. Look out for the dude. <laughs> like, don't be fucking cheap. Like, whatever you give him, that one point, that, that 130 you will literally make back in the next tournament that you play in. As long as you don't finish like dead last. How the purse splits out between the winner and everything down there. If you finish dead last, if you do two tournaments, you have made that money up. Like it's more about the principle at this point. Like come on man, you can give him 13, you can give him 130. You can do that. Like do the right thing. But no, he, you know, he tried to... You know, hold to his guns, and we had a deal, and all that shit, and that's cool, and you're right, but sometimes sticking to your guns ain't worth it in regards to the bad PR that you will have. This is one of those signs, because you could have very easily just given him that money, or give him more money, because trying to give him $15,000 when you should be giving him 130000 that shit ain't going to look right. He ain't going to take that on the principle. You shouldn't be like, hey, man, should he go 50000 like, Here you go. Appreciate everything that you did for me this week. I know we said five thousand, but I won one point three million, and on average, we give this much. I'm gonna give you half of that. You didn't even give him half of what the average would be. Don't be cheap, man. You you would have got a good look. You would have got great PR. Hell, if you would have gave him the money, they would have spent into a PR story. You probably would have got another endorsement worth at least a hundred or a hundred and thirty thousand dollars. Gotta think long. Gotta think long term, man. Not not the short term. Cause now this shit gonna backfire. He gonna always be looked at as a cheapskate guy. Anytime until you win, unless you do something fantastic, when your name get brought up, uh, he won this tournament. The first thing people gonna think about, oh, that's the one dude who cheated out the caddy, who got like nine kids or something. Like, nah, man. Give him, give him the money. You won enough. It's the average. It's what you would have spent if your caddy would have came. Do an extra tournament a year. You'll make the money up. Like, it's it's not worth the hassle, man. It's just not worth it. Uh, that's pretty much it in sports, man. Nothing going on. Uh, it's too late to do a football uh, Super Bowl wrap-up, but I told you that Bill Belichick is going to be too much for the golf for golf and outsmart the shit out of him. That's essentially what happened. Um, don't know need for that. Um... Shout out to Marquette. Marcus Howard is absolutely killing player of the year. Um, yes, had his bias, bias twofold because one, Marquette alum. I want to see, I want to see him win for that reason because he's killing. Marquette has top ten. Also, I don't want to see Zion 
or anybody wearing fucking Duke colors win player of the year because I fucking hate Duke. So, double bias in regards to why I say Marcus Howard player of the year. But nonetheless, player of the year, Marcus Howard. Uh, with that being said, man, we're going we're gonna to roll out for the night. Um, as always, thanks for listening. Subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play. Uh, follow the show on Twitter, Free Your Mind Pod. Feel free to call the show, 262-8063. Uh, again, let me know. Text your show, or text your show, call the show, tweet the show. Let me know what your top five songs from uh, So Far Gone and your top five songs from the College Dropout are since we're celebrating their 10th and uh, 15-year anniversaries. And, yeah, man, we'll be back uh, next week. So y'all have a good one. Have a good weekend. Peace.